George Bernard Shaw said that the biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. Communication is critical. Communication is the key to success in so many areas of life. In marriage, in family, in business, at school, we have to learn how to communicate. It's basic. But many times we don't communicate, or like Shaw said, we think we have communicated, but we haven't. I thought I made that perfectly clear to you. I thought I explained that in my text. Probably not. And we have a disconnect and we have miscommunication. A lot of times, I think we're guilty of, of, of thinking that God has not communicated to us. God has not either communicated his reality or his existence, or God has not communicated enough guidance for me in my life. Now, nothing could be further from the truth. God is in the communication business. God is in the relationship business. So perhaps you ask the question, I know I have many, many times in my life in trying to understand God and trying to follow God in my own life in many areas, is how? How does God speak to you? How does God speak to me? Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter number 19. Psalms is right in the middle of the Bible, open to the middle, and you will find, bam, the book of Psalms, Psalms 19. Last week, we looked at the first few verses of Psalms, one through six, and uh, Galileo said basically that there are two ways or two books that God has written to us that communicates who he is and what we are to do. And the first book is what we looked at last week, and that is the book of nature, also known as general revelation. So if you look at Psalm 19, verses one through six, we're not gonna read it, but we see that God is always communicating his reality to us through what has been made, through nature. We can go outside and look around. We can see the sun, uh, the sun and the sky at night. We can see the moon and the stars. And we can know through what is made by using reason alone, not coming from any particular religious background, we can make certain conclusions about who God is. And God is constantly communicating his reality to all people in all places. The problem is, I wish there was just more evidence. No, the problem is there's too much evidence. So all the way from Plato to Aristotle to Paul to Aquinas, through reason, we can come to certain conclusions about the existence of God. There's the ontological argument, which is an argument from being. There's the teleological argument, which is an argument from things that are designed. You know, there's a cosmological argument from causation and from contingency, and there's a moral argument. So all these things have been around for thousands and thousands of years that help us understand that God is there, that he is powerful, that he is wise, that he is eternal, 
And we can see these things, experience these things through our reason, by looking up into nature and even looking inside of our own nature as human beings. So that is the first book, the way God communicates with us. It's general revelation. He communicates general truths about who he is to all people in all places. Or some people call that natural, natural theology or natural revelation. Now, that's the first book. The second book is what's known as special, special revelation. That's the second book in what Galileo said in the way God communicates with us, and that is through Scripture. Scripture is the form of special revelation. I wish God would give me clear guidance. I wish God would come down from the heavens and tell me what to do. He has. He's got a lot of commands, a lot of precepts, a lot of guidance, a lot of data for you and for me. God is the what ultimate content creator. He's laid it out there for us. And look at the rest of Psalm 19, verses seven through 14. First half, general revelation, natural revelation, the existence of God. The second half, the psalmist gets into more specific revelation or special revelation. Check it out. Verse seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much pure gold. Sweeter than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Verse 11, moreover, your servant is warned by them. In keeping them, there is a great reward. Who can discern his own errors? Who has self-awareness? Acquit me of hidden faults, God. Also, keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. One translation says, keep me from stupid sins. I like that better. I can understand it. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be innocent and I will be blameless of great wrongdoing. Now, verse 14, I love it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm and the book of Psalms gives us the deepest insight of what people in the Old Testament times before Christ, how they dealt with God. It's a behind the scenes look at their emotions, at their doubts, at their fear, at their anger, at all the problems they tried to, to face as they were walking with God through the seasons of their life. Psalms gives us that insight. And we can see here in this second half of Psalms, the verse seven following, that David had the psalmist a special love for the law 
of God. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. It is all about the law of God and lifting up the law of God. You say, why is the law of God so important? Why did the Israelites, why did people in the Old Testament treasure, love, adore, memorize, and seek to follow the law of God? Well, it's simple. The law of God reveals God's will. God's law reveals God's will. God's will is God's plan for the world and God's plan for your individual life and my individual life. God has made these things crystal clear to us. He has communicated clearly by what's been made, his reality, but also specifically through his scripture, that second book, as he has given us guidance and precepts and commandments. When babies were little during Israel times, they would take part of the Torah, the law of God, and dip it in honey and feed their baby from the Bible, from the law, to train them at an early age that his law, his word is as sweet as honey. They would take the word of God and they would place it on their doorpost so when they would walk in and they would walk out, they would see the word of God. They would take the word of God and put it in little boxes and strap them around their heads so they would always have God's law and God's word right in their mind and the forefront of who they are. God's law represented God's word. God's law represented God's will for their life, God's will for their children, God's will for their community, and they were set on following the word of God, the precepts, the commandments, the warnings, the guardrails, the boundaries of the law of God. And we have to raise our children up. We have to raise our grandchildren up, teaching them the way and the law of God. And many times we have to teach them to live it before they actually believe it. You know, it's interesting, the, the oldest, how would I say this, the oldest uh, stream of Christianity is the Orthodox Church. And the Orthodox Church would say this about if you wanted to come and be a part of the church, if you wanted to understand the teachings of the Bible, if you wanted to follow Christ, they would say, listen, following Christ is getting on the way. It's a lifestyle. Well, I don't believe this and I can't believe this and I don't understand this about God and Christ and the Bible. They would say, that's okay. Just come and be a part of us and start following the way. And we'll just see what happens. Now that's different. I understand that's different from us. And evangelicals were always believe first and then you know live it out. But hey, this cats have been around a long, long time in the Orthodox tradition, been through a lot of persecution. So not gonna throw the baby out with the bath water. So sometimes we have to live it before we believe it. But essentially, 
God calls us in, in both the old covenant and, and the new covenant to obey him, to follow his commandments. You are my disciples if you follow my commandments. Frederick Nietzsche, not exactly the greatest Christians to ever lived, said this, and it's a great quote. He said, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction, there and thereby results. And it's always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. What do we need in our life? What do I need in my life? We need long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. The promises are unbelievable, right? Did you see them there, these verses? Do you want your soul to be restored? Do you want to become wise? Do you want joy in your heart? Do you want to be enlightened? Do you want to receive a great reward? Then treasure and follow and love and obey God's law, God's will for your life. There's a blessing. There's a blessing for anyone who follows the precepts and commands and laws of God. Just, just how it is. Sometimes on a Saturday, people will knock on my door. Maybe this never happens to you, but years ago it happened. I looked at the people, and there are two young guys there wearing white short sleeve shirts and a dark tie. Not JWs, that's Mormons. JWs, that's a whole other message we'll talk about later. They're Mormons. And usually, and they'll, they'll come and knock and they'll go, hey, we talk to you about God and this and that. And I'll just listen and listen. So I remember these two missionaries came and I was listening and listening and listening. So after a while, and sometimes I'll give them a new tie, right? It's practical because the, their tie is usually, you have to riding the bike sweating. That's not easy. So, so here's the deal. Mormons and most of the Mormon people and friends I've known over the years are great people. They're some of the salt of the earth, right? Mormons are great folks, great people. Family people, great Americans, they'll stand up for the truth. I love my Mormon friends. You say, how is that possible? Well, let me tell you what I talked to these missionaries about. I said, listen, they were, they were saying this, saying that, trying to you know, convert me to Mormonism. I didn't say anything about who it was and anything. I said, listen, guys. I said, we both believe in the Ten Commandments. We both believe on the ser in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're trying to follow them. And I like Orrin Hatch. But... But we differ in other ways. So let me encourage you to do this. When you go home today, go to your apartment, go and read the book of Galatians. Read it over and over and over again, okay? They said, okay. They said, would you like a copy of the Book of Mormon? I said, I already have one. And the guy said, that's what I figured. Anyway, <laughs> the point of the matter is this. The point of the matter is there is a blessing there is a great reward. There is enlightenment. There is peace. There is direction and guidance from following this second book that God has written for us, this special revelation known as Scripture, or as David puts it, 
the law of God. So how does that work? Let's apply it right now. So let's say, let's go to, um, I'm just gonna read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Very simple verse. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. That's God's word. What does that mean to you and to me? It means that some of you need to say goodbye, bye, bye, bye to people in your life. That's bad company. Some of you are in dating relationships. You're in a dating relationship that's dragging you down. You keep going back to it, back to it, back to it, hoping will change or not. Listen, you need to say bye, bye, bye. Goodbye to that relationship. It's gonna drag you down and corrupt you. Some of you have friendships and old friendships and they're taking you to the same old places. They're dragging you down again, dragging you back to the same old habits and you're never gonna progress in your life. You're never gonna progress with God until you say bye, 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 goodbye to these group of friends that are dragging you down. Some of you are in a business relationship with a company or another group and you know it's a little risky, you know it's a little dicey, you need to say goodbye. Some of you have people you've hold it, holding on to as a boss or a manager, you need to say goodbye to that person and your company and let them go. Bad company corrupts good character, good morals. So if we're applying God's word to our life in a very real and practical way, if we're gonna move on with God and have a, a life that is gonna be blessed in so many ways, we have to say goodbye. So perhaps the question that God is asking you here today this morning is who do you need to say goodbye to? Who do you need to say goodbye to? There are necessary endings in life. But as some wise person said long ago, every ending is what? A new beginning, isn't it? It's a new beginning. God speaks to us clearly if we can listen through what's been made in nature, through scripture, the law, and ultimately we know, as we've been singing about here today, that God communicates to us through his son. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. God's ultimate communication to you and to me is through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is how we know God as father. Through nature, 
we know that there is a creator, that he is a creator. We are his creation, we are his creature. But through Christ, we know that he is our father and we can become a son or a daughter by his grace. He communicates us to us through his, through his son. When I was growing up uh, in church and as a little kid, before we moved to the great state of Texas, my dad would end every single service like this. Every service I can remember growing up as a little kid in elementary school, J high, and a little bit in high school, he would say, this is the way we'd end the service. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, thy rock, thy salvation, and thy redeemer. That's the way he would end it. I didn't realize until years later it was actually in the Bible. <laughs> Sorry. But what a great benediction, right? What a great prayer. Because as great and as wonderful and beautiful and holy and helpful, the law of God is no one can perfectly obey God's law. It's impossible. So the law does give us guidance. The law does give us a blessing. We must follow the law, but the law cannot be our redeemer. The law cannot be our rock, our rescuer. So the law has many purposes, but it's kind of a twofold purpose. One is to show us God's will and God's guidance and God's plans and precepts for our life and for our kids' lives. And the other is to show us that we don't measure up. It's kind of a mirror that shows us that we need Christ and his rescue. We need his grace. And in the new covenant, the new relationship, we have the power of God's spirit and the power of God's grace that helps us to obey God's law and obey God's commandments. Now, Christ perfectly obeyed the law, right? Galatians, there was a reason I told him, Galatians. He perfectly obeyed the law for us and in our place. So my righteousness, my acceptance is always based upon what Christ has done for me, the, the righteousness that he has earned, his law keeping, not my law keeping. I still keep the law. I still want to follow his commands. I still want to apply his principles and precepts in my life so that I might be wise, but my obedience and my adherence to those commands are not meritorious, if you would, before God. So I need to be able to walk outside and appreciate God has spoken and is speaking to us through creation. I need to pick up his word and know his law know his word, go to the 10 commandments, go on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you wanna know where to start, start there. And yet I have to know his son. The son, the son shines the light on everything. The son makes all the difference in the world. The son is God come to earth, the infinite entering into the finite, the word, the logos, the reason become flesh. And it's only through the son that we can be forgiven. It's only through the son that uh, we can have this father-child relationship that God has for us. It's great. God help us. God empower us by your grace to listen to you and to follow your word.
and to teach those to others. And what we say and what we do.